The following program is brought to you by Taste Bud Entertainment. Welcome to an hour of delicious conversation with Chef Jamie Gwynn. Dish with celebrity chefs, cookbook authors, and food experts, and gain inspirational ideas. You'll learn kitchen wisdom, wine education, and culinary trends, and eat and drink like you've never done before. Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwynn starts now. If you have a taste for life, then this is your show. Good morning, food lovers. Chef Jamie Gwen, along with Lana in your radio. We are your destination for mouth-watering and delicious conversation from shopping, preparation, presentation, and cultivating of your delectable dishes. We're helping you bring it all together. Listen in for great ideas about cooking for kids, vegetarian and gluten-free options, the latest products and trends, even wine knowledge galore, and you don't even need a reservation. Good morning to you, Lana. A reservation-free morning. That's right. If you have a taste for life, then this is definitely your show, and we hope you'll tune in every Sunday with mouth-watering radio commentary, the best culinary thinkers, authors, and experts highlighted each show. By the way, you can listen to our tasty podcasts as well on iTunes, listed under Food & Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. Did you have a delicious week? Very delicious. I did too. It was all about the salt block, baby. Mm -hmm. I will say we always like to kick off the show with what we made this week. It's a shameless list of those things we cooked, ate, and loved experimenting with to bring you culinary inspiration every Sunday. And I think I am slightly addicted to my new salt block. It's a pink Himalayan salt block that you've seen in restaurants, in all of the cooking stores, of course, but you can buy it in various shapes and sizes now and the one that both you and I have is the shape of, of a rectangle or a brick mm -hmm. essentially mm -hmm. and I've been doing a lot of research on how to infuse that fabulous flavor because you can use the salt block cold by the way you can chill it and then serve scoops of ice cream or a sundae like chef Alan Wong does out of mm -hmm. Hawaii oh, it's beautiful talk about salted caramel ice cream at its best <laughs> or you can use it in the oven in fact heat it up and then serve or present food on it. But I think the best way to do it is to use its extraordinary, salty, briny, fabulous flavor to infuse into meat especially and protein because those pores are open during the cooking process. And I think the best thing we've done yet with the salt brick is put it on a spatchcocked or a half of a mm -hmm. chicken cut um, skin side down rather that we had pre-roasted in the oven to cook it just through mm -hmm. and then finished on the grill and when we put the skin side down on the grill and the salt brick on top the salt flavor subtly infuses into the meat it stays super moist oh. and the skin was so deliciously crispy i can't even tell you it was just lightly infused it was salt it was lovely it was so delicious then we turned it over put the salt brick back on top just i would say not more than 10 minutes on each side mm -hmm. you could do the same with a flank steak i can't wait to try mexican white shrimp which are really sweet mm -hmm. right now and delicious mm -hmm. um but um it, it's been a, a very uh, fun and fabulous week of of salt block cooking and then along with the chicken that day um, you made an incredible grilled corn and I think you should share your secret oh that's fun bacon bacon 
Of course, bacon. Yeah, bacon and and mayo, oh. two very good combinations. <laughs> well, whole corn. Yeah, whole corn on the cob is a, a mayonnaise just smothered all over it. Right after right it's grill. grilled, right, just enough char, and then the mm-hmm. mayonnaise coating mm. really locks in the moisture, and you can leave the corn on the grill a little bit longer, and you don't taste mayo, you just taste creamy goodness. Mm-hmm. But it's a wonderful way to add another level of flavor, and then when it comes to Bacon, I mean, another good well, salty briny. Well, if you briny. cut it off the cob, yes, you then have to mix it with something salty <laughs> and wonderful. And it was maple bacon, I believe. Yes, it was. And there's nothing better than a cast iron skillet on the barbecue, corn kernels off the cob, um, good bacon, mm-hmm. um, maybe some fresh herbs chopped from the garden, anything from parsley to cilantro. You could use marjoram or even rosemary mm-hmm. and just all cooked down mm-hmm. uh, and roasted deliciously. Oh. It's marvelous. And then it was an ice cream kind of week. Oh, yes. My... Okay, I personally loved this batch. The roasted pineapple ice cream. Yes, and there is something to be said for those sweet um, South African baby pineapples mm-hmm. available right now uh, from Melissa's produce. And you roasted or sort of dehydrated, essentially, the cleaned slices of pineapple on a sill pad or silicone baking mat in well, the oven. Well, just before dehydration. Yes. took them out. But then... They caramelized so beautifully. Oh, so delicious. But then they bathed mm-hmm. for a good day or so. They soaked mm-hmm. in the custard yes. of the ice cream. Mm-hmm. And then when you made the ice cream, it, it, it was so bold with pineapple flavor. I loved it. It's wonderful. Next is peach ice cream. Oh, I can't wait. The, summer peach. Yes, the end of the summer is coming up. And then there is more ice cream inspiration coming up at the end of this show. So stay tuned as well. A magic ice cream in new flavor combinations mm-hmm. thanks to Lana and Modernist Cuisine. Uh, we received a request from Gordon uh, just yesterday to keep us on our toes and make sure we were going to cover the delicious topic of what we call stuffed eggs. Or deviled eggs. Or deviled eggs. Mm-hmm. I- I've met very few people that don't like a deviled egg. Mm. There's something very luscious about the creamy filling, the yolk pureed with you know additional depth of flavor and a beautifully cooked white. And We've been talking about eggs over the past few weeks, and it was wonderful to receive all of your comments, by the way, about your favorite way to cook an egg, whether it's poached on a frisee salad, fried on a burger, or hard-boiled and then deviled. And by the way, the best hard-boiled egg recipe, as far as a method is concerned, that I've ever tried is one that I use weekly, and that's the Julia Child method for hard-boiling an egg. You put... uh, eggs into cool water and you slowly bring them up to temperature and you boil them for one minute. Then you take the pan or pot off the stove, off that heat source, set it somewhere else on the stovetop that's cool and put a lid on it. And for 14 minutes, you let them rest. And then the Julia Child secret is to run cold water into the pot. I even throw a handful of ice cubes to cool the eggs down quickly mm-hmm. to release the membrane from the shell, which makes easy pe- makes for easy peeling. Mm-hmm. And I never get a green ring. So if you have a green ring issue with your hard-boiled eggs, I will post the perfect recipe on Facebook at Chef Jamie Gwen. And by the way, we're always serving up seconds with delicious inspiration and recipes galore at chefjamie.com. And, uh, a great deviled egg. I had some vegetarian friends over. Yes. And make your basic deviled egg. In fact, I used Dijon mayonnaise. Mm-hmm. And, but I topped it with some ground flax seeds. 
That's super cool. How come I didn't get yes, a bite of that? The omega three rich ground flax seeds are delicious. And they're nutty and they're yummy mm-hmm. and what a great topping. I love that. Okay, so you need perfectly cooked eggs. And the, again, that foolproof technique on Facebook at Chef Jamie Gwen. And then you've got to get to deviling. Now, I love the idea of the Dijon mayonnaise because if you make a classic, you use mayonnaise, some sort of uh, bitey mustard, preferably salt, pepper. In the French style, you can always add in a spoonful of creme fraiche. And you want to puree the yolks until they're fluffy and smooth and delicious. And you could do it by hand, but I prefer in the food processor. And then you scoop the filling or pipe it into the egg white halves. And if you really want to go diehard classic, you sprinkle with sweet paprika oh, or you could put a spin on it and use Spanish hot paprika mm-hmm. if you wanted a little bit of heat if you want to take your deviled eggs on a trip around the world Gordon are you listening yeah. then you want to go to New York City and you could always mix in some chopped nova or locks mm-hmm. um, and some finely chopped dill and then garnish with capers Maybe you want to go to France with your deviled eggs. You could do cornichon, the little pickled, uh, the little teeny pickles, you know, the briny little lovely pickles that you see on a cheese platter, and a little bit of tarragon. I like uh, Korean eggs. Korean deviled eggs. Exactly, because it has chopped cabbage kimchi in it. Yes, and I like you for the fact that you like kimchi. And a a little bit of chopped cilantro as well in there. Yes, I'm all in. And then you could garnish with some um, roasted salted peanuts on top. (gasps) We will post this extraordinary deviled egg information at chefjamie.com. So check it out. We also have a horseradish deviled egg recipe that you put a slice of seared steak over. You could always do a Caesar salad deviled egg too, like all the flavors of Caesar salad that you love, mayonnaise, Dijon, um, anchovy, garlic, Parmesan cheese. That'd be killer. I love it that you wrap it in a lettuce leaf. That's That's your Caesar salad. That's fun, right? Isn't it fun? That's great. Just genius. I don't know where we we learned that long ago, but we should do that again. Mm -hmm. Uh, By the way, the technique of the week is posted at chefjamie.com and it is all about how to make homemade ricotta cheese. Mm. I think there's nothing better than homemade ricotta and we spoke about it last week. It is a best of technique of the week from over a year ago. We shared with you the fact that once you've tasted freshly made ricotta, there is nothing better. I mean, how could something so simple be so delicious? But it is truly extraordinary and as easy as boiling an egg. Mm -hmm. So if you'd like to make fresh, soft, and snowy white ricotta cheese that is so much more delicious and fresh Mm. than what you might buy in the supermarket, it's posted on ChefJamie.com, homemade ricotta in minutes. And it's wonderful for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. That it it is. It fits in so well to so much. There's lots of delicious inspiration posted on the website as well. The Cook with Lana recipe of the week is a grilled asparagus with a bacon vinaigrette. Mm -hmm. Our friend Terry already texted me yesterday. Personal friend wrote to me, cook with Lana this week looks so good was the note that I got. I love the idea of the bacon vinaigrette. You're on a, a, definitely on a bacon tangent. Yes, I am. Yeah. The the whole month of August. (laughs) Lana loves bacon month. Every month is Jamie loves bacon month. Just so you know, Um, it's also salmon season and we got some really beautiful steelhead salmon um, that you roasted. In fact, with your Mm -hmm. splash of limoncello secret ingredient, Mm -hmm. but I won't tell anybody. And then I've posted a miso ginger grilled salmon on the website. Um, It's just a few ingredients, the recipe of the week, Um, but it's white miso paste, mirin, rice vinegar, and sesame oil. And I think that combination uh, is delicious Asian depth of flavor. That would be good on a flank steak 
Or Ooh, skirt steak yes, as well. Yes, it would. Oh, you could have surf and turf. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, coconut sorbet, because we are uh, in the ice cream mode. Mm. Uh, a recipe that's really easy and delicious. It will amaze you. So check it out. It's more like a gelato, in fact, a coconut gelato. Mm. Um, and you'll find it posted along with the frozen watermelon margaritas that I'm making later this afternoon. And why? Because we're celebrating. Tonight is the premiere episode of Cutthroat Kitchen on the Food Network. And you don't want to miss it. It's everything you loved about Chopped with way more sabotage. And I am delighted to tell you that next Sunday, August 18th, I will be competing on Cutthroat Kitchen. I am a competitor next Sunday, the second episode of Cutthroat Kitchen on the Food Network. Sundays, 10 p.m. Eastern and Pacific. You will find me next Sunday, August 18th. I will see you there on the Food Network Cutthroat Kitchen. We're celebrating tonight uh, as well with the premiere episode, and we can't wait to watch. Oh, very exciting. Yeah, no doubt. I don't know what the outcome is. Can't wait to tune in. I know. For sure. And you wouldn't want to touch your dial because there's more delicious conversation in your radio. Coming up, Chef Michael Vaughn of La Quinta Resort and Spa is sharing his best summer inspiration. Plus, Master Sommelier from from the ranch restaurant and saloon here in Southern California in Anaheim. Michael Jordan is sharing three perfectly paired summer wines. Plus, we always bring you what we feel is the best of life, whether it be travel, theater, technology, and fabulous food, of course. But there's a new book out all about food brand marketing. Really interesting conversation. Ray Velez, the author of Converge, coming up. There is more scintillating conversation in your radio, so don't touch your dial. We'll be right back. Welcome back. It's delicious. It's divine. It's food and wine. Chef Jamie Gwen along with Lana in your radio. Since joining La Quinta Resort and Club, Chef Michael Vaughn has certainly put his stamp on the desert. His gastronomic talents are all the buzz near and far. And his American classics with a modern twist have made 26 restaurants at La Quinta, a gastronomic destination for food lovers. We love his farm to fork approach. His grilled tomato soup is the best and his bevy of Benedicts. He trained with Douglas Rodriguez and Bradley Ogden, and he is at the helm as the executive sous chef of La Quinta Resort and Spa and PGA West, making sure that every delicious morsel at the resort is full of flavor. He is our dear friend, and he joins us once again in your radio to inspire us. He is Chef Michael Vaughn. Good day to you. Good day. Thank you. Hello. We're so glad to have you back. Um, Tell us what's going on. Uh, All delicious things, please, this summer at La Quinta. We've got a lot of exciting events and flavors and planning. The weather is fantastic, especially early in the morning and during sunset. So we've got golf. We've got barbecue. We've got a lot of different things going on, and it's just absolutely fantastic. And uh, you can find that information on the website. You can find fabulous food in your area too, which I think is so interesting. Over the years that we've been friends, Michael, Palm Desert has really come up in the world. Uh, You have far more incredible seasonal produce from your backyard than you ever did. You're definitely inspired by dates, right? Mm -hmm. As they fall off the trees in the area. So tell us, what are you cooking with um, even honey that I know you source locally? What are you cooking right now? Well, we're actually having a lot of fun with the dates. Being a Waldorf Astoria Hotel, we do a little fun spin on uh, the Waldorf salad. Traditionally, you have the (laughs) grapes and the walnuts, and uh, we're doing dates and bee pollen. We're putting a little spice on the outside of the bee pollen, which adds a little bit of a crunch. 
and then the dates, we do a roast on them and then a dehydration on them. Uh, and that also gives it another little crunch. And it goes with the fantastic apples and the traditional Waldorf salad with the celery root. And then also we do a yogurt uh, dressing as opposed to the mayonnaise-based for a little more healthy spin with a little bit of homemade walnut oil. Nice. Oh, see, I love all those layers of flavor. I think you're on a yogurt kick because we're delighted that you shared recipes with us, which, by the way, uh, are posted at chefjamie.com. They are courtesy of Chef Michael Vaughn, La Quinta Resort and Spa PGA West. And I think when the weather heats up, there's no doubt that we look to eat lighter. And yogurt, a very good substitute for sour cream, for additional dairies as well. Um, but you make a salmon burger with a spiced organic yogurt with mint that looks killer. Yes, it's really delicious and it goes very well with uh, the salmon or even other dishes, you know, maybe uh, chicken, lamb is fantastic. Right know. off the grill. Exactly. Okay, talk to us about the salmon burger. Let's start there because, Lana, you were intrigued to see that the salmon is actually poached first with those flavors of sake and ginger. This is not mm-hmm. starting from a raw side of salmon. Yeah, this is something that uh, can add technique into your kitchen and it's, it's always mm-hmm. fantastic to be able to get... Uh, you know, family and friends around and maybe even make it into like a cooking class or just a get together. And those memories are made in the kitchen. And uh, those are memories that food and beverage can create. And this gives you something to kind of add some different techniques and practice with, uh, such as poaching. Um, And it's also a great way to infuse different flavors. What I love about the recipe is that there's no water in it. Because uh, a brave, brave man who used the word bam a lot taught us all that water has no flavor. I don't know about the water at your resort, but the water at my house and Lana's house, because I've tested it, doesn't taste like anything. So your poaching liquid, uh, talk us through it. It starts with unfiltered sake, which is the sake oh, I like I to drink. Yes, we both like to drink at the, the sushi bar especially. It has a creaminess to it and a very subtle sweetness that must pair gorgeously with the fish. And it does. And, and with it being unfiltered, you're going to have some of those, I like to call it rice pulp. Yes. <laughs> that is going to kind of adhere to the sides of the salmon and uh, continue that flavor through. Nice. Okay, and then chicken broth, some fresh ginger, some star anise, some smashed lemongrass, some cloves, and good olive oil. And then just a, a literal simple poach. You test the salmon with the uh, uh, internal or a meat thermometer, right? Yes. As you gain experience, you can go by time and feel and look, but the best and safest way for the home cook would be uh, with a thermometer and about 145. And then once the salmon has cooled, do you flake the poached salmon and mix in all the delicious ingredients to make the burger? Absolutely. And and what that does is you have the outside with some flavor infused through as it cooks because the uh, salmon oils and the poaching liquid, you know, kind of mix together and pull it through. But then what you're also doing is taking that, breaking it up into those large flakes, causing more surface area when you make your salmon burger, all that flavor is going to adhere to more of that surface area of those larger flakes as mm. opposed to maybe doing just a salmon filet. Right. Mm. Do I have to cook it, Michael? Could I just leave it uncooked? You could, yeah. You could do, um, if, you, if you'd like to do um, almost like a tartare style where you yes. could do like a small dice on it, 
or you could put it through a grinder on your uh, KitchenAid if you have the attachment. You could put mm-hmm. it through the grinder and do like a patty, mm-hmm. um, you know, a formed patty. Yeah, but Michael, you know what she's asking essentially because if she gets me to poach it for her and I deliver the cooked salmon, then it's no cook for her mm-hmm. completely, right. right? And really that's very true and I'm teasing, but well, the day of, if you poached the salmon in advance, mm-hmm. the day of you assemble these patties, the burger, the tartare, whatever creation you decide to take it to that next level of, mm-hmm. you do have a no cook capability here where the cold poached salmon becomes dozens of different dishes which i love because it's august and it's no cook august right so over you know a big bed of baby arugula Mm -hmm. and then your spiced yogurt with mint over the top that sounds like the ultimate salad very much so it's a very versatile it um you know when you poach that salmon and and don't be afraid when uh, looking at recipes to add your own you know somebody who might not be as familiar or taking a liking to a sake um I know I enjoy a martini once in a while. Maybe a little vodka wouldn't be so bad. Oh. Or, or, or no alcohol at all. You know, I mean, it doesn't have to be an alcohol, but uh, tequila, bourbon, uh, have fun. It, sure. These recipes just give you a base and a guideline. Create your own and uh, really have some fun with it. And sometimes it'll work and sometimes it doesn't. And, um, mm-hmm. But that's for the how, most part, it will. That's <laughs> how you become a better cook. In your own kitchen, as we like to say. And now everybody knows why Michael and I have been friends so long. Because he listed vodka, tequila, and sake in the same <laughs> sentence. <laughs> you two are very flexible. We are. We're, yeah, don't call me easy. Yes. I like flexible better. <laughs> Michael, I have always loved your grilled tomato soup. I've never met anybody that didn't oh. love Michael's grilled tomato soup. That's what we're all about in my trainings and, and who I've become as a chef. But also here at uh, 26 La Quinta Resort. 26 is all about taking those familiar favorites and um, keeping that familiarity with it and keeping it simple, but being the best you've ever had. And I'm, I'm very um, proud that you uh, ladies enjoy it so well and, and, and say so as much as you do. Well, thank you. It's all about flavor and really cooking from the heart. And mm-hmm. um, it's something as simple as tomato soup, you know, putting it on the grill, getting that char just right, getting that seasoning just right. You'd be surprised how many bad tomato soups you might enjoy. Oh, or not we know. for that matter. Yeah, yes. well, well, that's very true. Mm-hmm. Since we all have the barbecue fired up for the summer, just inspire us if you would. Just give us some secrets to grilling those tomatoes because you really can take that concept to so many levels. Very much so. And, and one thing that isn't on the recipe, but um, it's something that you might want to uh, think about, is in uh, incorporating some different uh, woods on your um, on your grill, whether it be the the gas grill or the charcoal grill, mm-hmm. um, infuse some different wood flavors. There's a lot of different uh, wood chips out there, whether uh, you're going to your local Lowe's or Home Depot, or if you're um, fortunate enough to have a local farmer's market, um, an apple farmer might bring some apple wood. Uh, you're going to see that, uh, I, I'm predicting that as a trend in the next uh, two to three years, uh, smoking is definitely going to be coming back. Yeah, so, I agree um, with you entirely, yeah, and yeah. I'll tell you, I have a culinary memory that I don't think will ever fade, Michael, and I know we've shared it with you before. The best chicken I have ever had, mark my word, was chicken we ate at what was essentially like a fast food chain restaurant. There are many of them in Costa Rica where they roast the chicken over the vines or essentially the branches, the branches thank you, of the, the coffee plants. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Talk about flavor. Mm-hmm. Incredible. I love the idea of adding smoke to Michael's tomatoes. And what are you smoking your tomatoes over, Michael? I'm actually uh, working on a, um, 
new technique. Uh, we have a lot of date palm, as we mentioned earlier in the uh, in the show here. Um, I'm working with some different palm woods. Um, How and, interesting. Yeah, and I'm, uh, you know, they're very fibrous. I mean, you can see them swaying in the winds and things like that. Um, so I'm trying to get the correct cure or dry time on them um, so that they produce the smoke flavor that I'm, uh, that I'm looking for. So mm. I've got some uh, what we call in the barbecue world green wood. Um, so I've got some green palm, and it's got a lot of high moisture content, and that's what makes it so flexible with the fibers. Mm. But I've got some right now that's at uh, 30 days old, and I have some that's at 60 days old. Mm. And um, it's offering at the 60-day-old um, smoke a very sweetness which is going fantastic on my Boston butts, my pork right now. So I'm doing a palm wood smoked pork um, for my pulled pork, and it's working quite well. So I'm thinking of uh, getting in the competitive circuit with palm wood. Yeah, I (laughs) I actually think you should. We'll come support you. Uh Uh, I have a knife kit. I can prep. There we go. Um, and truth be told, the entire country just either slid off their chair or got in the car to drive to Palm Desert, California. You never cease to amaze us. And what I love most about you, Michael, aside from our friendship and your fabulous food, is that you are like a kid in a candy store when it comes to cooking. And there are few with as much passion as you. We very much appreciate you sharing recipes and summer inspiration as always. And for those of you that are looking for the original hideaway at the foot of the Santa Rosa Mountains. Everybody knows I love La Quinta Resort and Club at, and PGA West. It is a historic resort um, and there is no better food in the area. You will see Chef Michael Vaughn's name, no doubt, spreading far and wide and you heard him here first. Uh, he is Chef Michael Vaughn and the recipes he shared, you know you want them or posted at chefjamie.com. Michael, we adore you. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. It's an Thank honor. you. There's more delicious conversation in your radio. You wouldn't dare touch your dial now, would you? We'll be right back. A bottle of red, a bottle of white. It all depends upon your appetite. Welcome back, Chef Jamie Gwen, along with Lana in your radio. We're going way beyond mere eating and drinking this hour. In fact, we are celebrating the essence of summer. Fresh, bright, beautiful wines that pair with the best of your grilled dishes and your fresh summer fare. Joining us once again is the master sommelier. He is the sommelier for the people, as we call him, Michael Jordan. He is also the vice president and the director of all food and beverage for the ranch restaurant in Anaheim, California, along with the saloon where we love to eat, drink, and party. He is our resident wine guru, and it's been way too long since we've caught up. So this is a summer session with MJ, as I like to call it, and we're so glad to have you back. Hey, Michael. Hi. Hi. I'm so happy to be spending a little time with you, Chef Jamie. And we're glad to have you as well because we are now in the heat of summer. But we would be remiss if we didn't mention that you were recently featured, for those that did not see, highlighted, in fact, in Time Magazine. Congratulations to you. So tell us about this Joel Stein article and catch us up. This is really an extraordinary story. And a marvelous Uh, guy talking about a marvelous guy. Exactly. (laughs) Thank you, Lana. Thank you, Chef Jamie. Well, it was really exciting because the Court of Master Sommeliers had called me and said, there's this writer that wants to do an article about the first level exam for the Court of Master Sommeliers. And 
He wants to actually come and take it without any of the preparation class that we normally give. And Chef Jamie, you passed this exam with flying colors, although we did hold your name back for the very last one that we yeah. Named. By the way, by the way, still not you to have drama. Yeah, not right? funny. Not funny. Right. Still. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but we only, we only do that with the ones we love, actually. But anyway, you, so you've taken this and you, you passed up, like top of your class and you got the pin. But he wanted to do it without any preparation, without the class, and we've never really done that before. He did not pass the test. He he knows he was far from passing. And Joel Stein, great humor, great writer. You know, he's he's been around for a while and. But what a gracious and nice guy. Yes. He says to me, he says to me after he's done, he says, I'm so sorry. I am ashamed, and I have shamed and humiliated my people. And I looked at him, your people? He says, yeah, the amateurs. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. And I will say there is a tremendous amount of humility in the article. I am posting on Facebook on my fan page at Chef Jamie Gwen a link to Stick a cork in me, I'm done. Joel Stein's prose on how he fared on the Master Sommelier test. And we'll post it on the website as well, Michael, where there is always a link to the ranch, restaurant, and saloon. Um, But I thought that there there was a tremendous amount of humility on his part. And he's very sure to mention that he knew you were risking your 100% pass rate, MJ, before you gave him this test. That was so cool of him to say. Hey, yes, and, and I, I can only be grateful that you know that the, the course that I actually teach that you sat through. We're we're not just trying to get people to pass exams. We're trying to give them the knowledge and the understanding of really what a sommelier is and what is required of the job. Because you can call yourself a sommelier without doing any of that, but certainly if you have passed any of those levels, yes. you really have achieved something that mm. we value very much. Isn't that true? Well, we bow to you, master. Having passed all the way through. By the way, I saw a screening of the movie Psalm, as you know. Thought it was spectacular. And I really think it's articles and movies like this that are elevating our wine knowledge. Whether you're an amateur, a connoisseur, a collector with a cellar or a, a coat closet with a few bottles on the bottom, there is always a place to start. And that's where this conversation is going to lead to. If you aspire to be any sort of certified sommelier then begin right here. We're in the heat of summer, Michael. So um, after having spoken with you just a couple of weeks ago and expecting the heat, you knew that I was anticipating choosing a few of my top summer wines and asking you to dish about them. And we'll pair them together, I think, with some of the best recipes for the summer season, of course. But summer wines are not always easy to choose. They could be tricky, right? You want something refreshing and crisp. It shouldn't be sugary sweet. Give us just the ground rules. There's always room for some sweet wine, but that can tend to make you more thirsty. So as you said, crisp, fresh, light, uh, refreshing, you know, thirst quenching. I know that you have pick some pretty outstanding wines and I can't wait to hear what they are. Okay, okay, sure. so here they are. I did not go with like Summer of Riesling, which is where I knew you would have thought I was going to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay. or there's well, some we of the that. We've done that. We've already. done yeah, that. I wasn't there. going to the usual suspects. I thought we would start with a dry Chenin Blanc from California. Ooh, Something okay. new and different that we're seeing much more of on the shelves. Now that is crisp and dry and refreshing. Yes. And it has a great versatility. Which one uh, were you proposing? Well, I was thinking Dry Creek. I went with really inexpensive, oh, yeah. cost-effective wines for yeah. summer so that you could invite all of your friends. <laughs> See, that's wonderful. And they have been 
growing that grape for quite some time out there, so they're older vines and they're established, and that's what's going to give you the flavor, just like our buddies, the Chapelets up on Pritchard Hill, who have some vines up there too, only their, their bottle is a little bit more in dollar. But these wines in California, Chenin Blanc, gives you these beautiful, like, melon and uh, dry peach flavors and mm. a lot, of course, citrus. And Chenin Blanc can be the highest uh, acidity grape of all of the white grapes, along with even Riesling. Uh, Chenin Blanc can be higher in acidity, but when it grows in a warm climate and you have all that sugar and acid balance and then you make a dry wine out of it, it's really crisp, refreshing, but great texture really round and mouth-filling and nice. very satisfying white wine. Yes, and, and I will have to agree. And I like the light to medium body. Not too light, but not overwhelming. Um, okay, I'm going from white to red. How do you feel about uh, California Zinfandel? Because I think if you're going to pull anything off the barbecue, then yeah. if it's meaty and you've got good ribs sizzling oh, off the grill, you've got to go with Zinfandel. It's your perfect barbecue wine. Yes. And it goes with so many different things. I mean, anything in the Italian realm, I mean, anything from pasta with red sauce, meatballs, pizza, Italian sausages on the grill are crying for good Zinfandel from California, even more so, I think, than an Italian Chianti. But you and I, we've discussed Zin many times. Yes. And it is so incredibly parable. The only thing Zin will get hot with, a little hot with, is chili pepper. So if there's a good amount right. of chili pepper in a barbecue sauce or a dish, then it may tend to make the Zinfandel feel a little hot. No. But a good I'll tell you what, barbecue chicken, barbecued ribs, yes. any kind of that smoky, sweet barbecue mm. on anything, that on my good, finger, right? okay? Yeah, on my Zinfandel. elbow, that's right. <laughs> Open a bottle of Zinfandel. I was thinking, too, because I, I thought about meat pairings and meatless pairings. I loved the, yep. you know, sticky, sweet ribs idea. And then if you wanted to go meatless, um, Zinfandel and cheese, I think, is a oh. really lovely combination. So you could Perfect. go caramelized onion, uh, gorgonzola, some sort of pizza off the barbecue, even if you're putting oh, out cheese man. to start mm. and you want to start red for your summer yeah. soiree. Um, I think that's a perfect pairing. To go back just a bit, dry Chenin Blanc, uh, ch grilled chicken, summer corn salad, uh, crumbled goat cheese. Or Ooh. what about a tomato and bread salad? Because Lana and I have been talking totally. about your tomatoes. Yes. yes. How was <laughs> yeah. tomato season this year? Oh, my gosh, Lana. I can't even begin to tell you. It's a bumper crop year. The summer came a little bit early. And this year, it has just been probably the greatest season for growing tomatoes. That you know, And you know I've done this for many, many yes. years and have a passion for it. But we've got about 600 wow. tomato plants. Wow. over on the farm that we're growing for the restaurant, Ranch Restaurant and Saloon. And, oh, my gosh, it is just out of control. I, I'm excited. Can you tell? Yeah, we, yes, we can tell. Now, what wine are you pairing with your tomato dishes at the ranch? Always a great question, by the way. Hard, well, tough you know, pairing. Dry Chenin Blanc would certainly work, but, I mean, my ultimate, ultimate is going to be a rosé of Sangiovese. Mm. Okay. Sangiovese rosé. You, uh, you mentioned rosé. I found yeah. a Spanish rosé, a dry rosé, that I thought yep. was extraordinarily oh. food-friendly. And that Love was it. my third pick for summer wine. Awesome. Yeah, and well, I... What, what I, have you got? Okay, I have a tapena. Yeah. What I think is a beautiful blend of Grenache Syrah Morvedge was 
beautifully paired with anything off the grill in the fish realm and then For all sure. the side dishes that you serve at a picnic. Oh, you are spot on. And you know what, Chef Jamie, where we were talking about the barbecue sauces that have a little heat in them yes. that might you know, make a Zinfandel appear hot, that dry rosé with Grenache Syrah Morved blend, which is perfect with a little bit spicy stuff. And because it's a dry rosé, it's like a, a white wine and also like a red wine together that's chilled, that's fresh, and has the versatility that is almost unparalleled. You know what? I've got one for you, too. It's from a, a growing area about five minutes out of San Sebastian. It is called a Chocolee. I love the name, Chocolee. Only problem, it's, it's Basque. And so here's the spelling, gang. You've got to yeah. write this down because you'll never remember it. T-X-A-K-O-L-I-N-A, Chocolee. They make a rosé. They make a white. These are both lower in alcohol. They're probably around 11 12%. Really crisp, fresh, a little bit of spritz to them. Love it. It's on along the lines of a Vino Verde from Portugal. Oh, nice. Which is like fizzy soda pop wine. You know, almost sweet, but not really sweet, but lemon, lime, and a little fizz. And oh, just beautiful. like first aid for your palate, you know? Ooh, I oh, love that I analogy. Love you put it. It. Oh, wow. Now, some of the bottles that I buy say blush or vingris on it. Yes. yes. That they're yes. the palest in color? Well, it's the same thing as a dry rosé, a right. blush. Or Vingri, a beautiful term, uh, pretty much we're saying the same thing, rosé. You know who's got one now, which is really kind of unheard of, is Turley. Turley Zinfandel producer. Oh, I know you love the Turley Zin. I do love the they're, Turley. They're making a what they call white Zinfandel dry. Turley white Zinfandel dry. And brave to put that on the label, right, Zinfandel. It's coming back. Right? Yes. I mean, it's kind of fun. And now, um, for those that might not have understood before, uh, as the conversation continues, now you know why I say I learned from the best. He is the master sommelier at the helm of the ranch, restaurant, and saloon in Anaheim, California. Whether you live in SoCal or you're making a visit, let me give you an idea of your night. The best lamb chops you've ever had, dance floor, (laughs) maybe a bite of short rib, Shake your booty. Incredible (laughs) bottle of wine. Finish with a cocktail. That's the ranch, restaurant, and saloon. Uh, Continually rated the number one restaurant and wine list for chef and sommelier in Southern California. And it will be for years running, mark my word. And as the seasons change, you will hear Michael Jordan here, our resident wine guru, sharing with you the best of fall wines. But you have to get through your summer homework first. Michael, it's always a pleasure, and we can't wait to talk with you again soon. Uh, Chef Jamie, Lana, thank you, ladies, so much. And be well. And we'll see you soon. Share your wine with others because it makes it more delicious now. (laughs) Yes, that it does. does. And continue to listen as we make every day more delicious. There's more in your radio, Chef Jamie Gwen, along with Lana. We'll be right back. Welcome back, Chef Jamie Gwen, along with Lana in your radio. This is your lifestyle show. There is no doubt that it is a world of digital. Technology is ever booming. And one of the world's largest digital marketing agencies is called Razorfish. Ray Velez, the chief technology officer, is joining us live to share with us some of the conversation about thriving in an age of disruption and some of the really 
interesting influence that digital media has had. We're very pleased to have you, Ray. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Yes, of course. Okay, talk to us, if you would, about the idea of business uh, at the intersection of marketing and technology. It's so interesting to me how brands are better interacting with consumers today, and that's what you're all about. Talk to us, if you would, about how that merge is happening. We were founded back in 1995 on this principle of really three circles intersecting or three disciplines, media, creativity, and technology. And the reason why we started off being built that way is that we noticed that in the Internet and digital age, as it was growing, it was giving consumers choice, control, and a voice. So you needed to create a digital experience that actually works for your customers, that is relevant and interesting for your customers, so that they'll want to interact with your brand. And the only way to really make that happen, you have to create the situations where some of that friction happens, where your creative director sits next to your tech director, and people from two different worlds are innovating and creating new experiences together. And this relates to food and very much the world that we love to live in, the space that we're very focused on, in that Razorfish was involved and is continually involved with Special K. And I think it's so interesting because this is the shift that is revolutionizing marketing, the Special K challenge. Right, right. And so the key principle is about putting your customer at the center when you do that, you're, you allow your brand or your company to become a service to your customer. So the My Special K digital experience, it's a website and a mobile app. You go to the site, you configure what's personal and unique to your weight loss goals. So maybe I'm a vegetarian, maybe I like to eat meat, whatever it is, you have that ability to configure that. And then you're able to take that through a full cycle of your fitness goals. And so every day for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, this application is helping to guide you towards your goals. And, and it's just and it resulted in, in great interaction and a two-way dialogue with customers. And when you do something like the My Special K plan, you have customers raving about your brand, using their voice on Twitter and blogs and Facebook. And then you're also creating a more enduring relationship. Do you believe, Ray, that it's that interaction that encourages all of us as consumers to interact with a particular brand, to connect ourselves with that company? I think it's that interaction that drives the relevancy that is important to people, right? So people with choice and control, I can skip commercials, I can not even look at the commercials. So I have to create an interaction for my company that's relevant. When you put your customer at the center and you think about your brand principles and what's relevant to that customer, you can come up with that service. What are some of the greatest and latest technologies that you're working on? What can we expect as the digital world continues to grow? One of the things that we're really excited about as the industry grows is this concept called the Internet of Things or ubiquitous or, or pervasive computing. And what's behind that is the digitization of everything in our world. So I can digitize my light bulbs. I can digitize your light switch, <laughs> your shade, your refrigerator. Anybody can get a 3D printer, print out a 3D object, connect it with a microcontroller at a very low cost, 
and now bring to life anything in the physical world around us. And so what is that going to mean? People are going to be looking at their phones less. They'll be going to websites less. And how does your brand stay relevant in a world where that might happen? I think it's so extraordinary to realize how fast we're moving. Leave us, if you would, with this. Give us an in-depth look at what we should all know about this concept of the cloud as it continues to grow, if you would. And the thing that always stuck with me it was probably six years ago when I first tried out a cloud server, is I had very powerful, I could have dozens of cloud servers up and running and available for me to build a new website or mobile app experience in less time than it takes to reboot my laptop. And so that innovation takes away a huge barrier and allows us to do things that was only available to a company like Google or Microsoft now. So you have a startup that can use the power of a supercomputer to run algorithms on different experiences or on all of the data that is created through Twitter every day and do things that were never before possible. So there's that low cost, but that low cost removes a barrier to entry. And since it's all running on public cloud technology, there's just continued innovation that gets layered on top of this. I feel a little bit in the clouds myself talking to you, Ray, just so you know. Uh, We're keeping up on the technology and we're doing it by understanding better how marketing and technology are coming together, these two worlds combining. They are essentially converging. And if you'd like to learn more, know more, and be more on the cutting edge, their new book has just released. It's called Converge, and it is written by Ray Velez and Bob Lord of Razorfish. It's all about transforming business at the intersection of marketing and technology. And it's a great read. And we thank you for sharing. Pleasure, Ray. Continued success with the book and with all of the incredible marketing that you do. All right. Thank you very much for having me. It's always interesting to learn new aspects and different aspects of this extraordinary fine food world that we live in. And we hope that you'll tune in every Sunday for more stimulating and scintillating scrumptious conversation. We'll leave you with this. It is our last bite. And if you recall from many months ago, Modernist Cuisine's cookbook release came out with some extraordinary magic, as I like to call it. It's not just molecular gastronomy with chemicals and more that make for unique culinary inspiration. How about a one-ingredient ice cream? If you missed us, uh, missed it, rather, allow us to repeat it again. There's this extraordinary concept of bananas frozen and then put into the food processor where they actually release their natural pectin to create a thickness, a viscosity that makes one-ingredient ice cream. Don't forget to run the Cuisinart for about five minutes or so. Exactly. And don't forget to freeze the bananas in advance. So what you do is you take good ripe bananas, not browning yet, but on the ripe side, and you slice them and then freeze them on a silicone baking sheet or a silpat mat in your freezer so that you freeze them what we call IQF or individually quick frozen. Once they're frozen, you can take them out and put them in a Ziploc bag and keep them for quite a while. You throw them into the food processor, as Lana said, for five minutes, you run it and you get what is the most delicious one ingredient banana ice cream you've ever had. It's magic. It is magic, but we've taken it to a whole new level. If you love 
peanut butter, you throw in the bananas with a big, huge spoonful of peanut butter, and you get the best peanut butter banana ice cream. Some honey goes in there as well. And since I love dark chocolate, yes. you have to add a little uh, unsweetened cocoa powder, um, two tablespoons of cream, and a little vanilla extract. Oh, so good. What about Nutella? What about adding Nutella to the <gasps> banana? Magic banana ice cream, we call it. There we go. I like that idea, That's too. That's two ingredients. Perfect. Wow. One, two, three. Banana ice cream in mm-hmm. just minutes. We want you to head to your kitchen right now. Slice those bananas, freeze them, and then let us know how your magic banana ice cream turns out. You can always email us live, L-I-V-E, at chefjamie.com. And please tune in tonight for the premiere episode of Cutthroat Kitchen on the Food Network, but most especially next Sunday, August 18th, for the second episode of Cutthroat Kitchen on the Food Network. You will see me there. I am competing. We will see who wins but it is no doubt a thrill of a show to watch Alton Brown hosting Uh, it's clever and fun and I can't wait uh, for you to watch I am competing on Cutthroat Kitchen next Sunday August 18th Food Network 10 p.m. Eastern and Pacific and please tune in next Sunday when the delicious conversation continues you'll hear from Cooking Channel's host of Eat Street James Cunningham plus we're going to talk about getting you back to your roots and we're brewing beer at home with the brew master Victor Novak plus the perfect roast chicken what every great cook needs in their arsenal Mm, by the way did you win we'll see who wins I'll see you there August 18th Food Network Cutthroat Kitchen you won't want to miss it and we'll meet you here next Sunday until then we're always serving up seconds at chefjamie.com c-h-e-f-j-a-m-i-e.com and on Facebook and Twitter at Chef Jamie Gwen we thank you for listening and on behalf of Lana I'm Chef Jamie Gwen we hope you continue to eat well